0: Hi, all Just a quick little disclaimer before we get started. Ethan and I were both feeling kind of under the weather when we recorded this episode, so if we seem a little bit low energy, that's why. <laughs> okay, let's get on with the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan.
0: And I'm Vanessa.
1: Vanessa, the other day. I was browsing the MASH subreddit, which I think is the best place on the <laughs> internet because it's just extremely chill and for as bad a reputation as the website Reddit can get just as a whole, when you're sticking to these like hyper niche fandoms, they're they're pretty good.
0: I love the MASH subreddit. I do.
1: It's a good time. I've said it before, but I want to know the demographics. But anyway, somebody posted A syndication commercial. I'm not sure what station this is for, but it was this diorama of a city, and a guy (laughs) on a saxophone is like playing what can only be described as like a sexy rendition of Suicide is Painless, uh, (laughs) while like clips of MASH is playing. We're gonna link this video in the description, and I just think it is glorious and wonderful and weird like suicide is painless does not immediately equate to you know this kind of sax solo so i just wanted to share that because i thought it was absolutely insane you saw this video what did what did you think of it
0: yeah I honestly loved it and I think that my immediate response was like can we get this on the podcast like we need to show this somehow on the podcast so we're gonna link it just just in case
1: I just think that whole commercial is wonderful and I want to know whoever is the marketing genius who came up with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) so that leads me to ask you do you have a favorite commercial like a favorite jingle or like something that's stupid like that (laughs) that's your favorite commercial because I certainly do
1: I don't necessarily have a favorite commercial, but lately, the progressive commercials with the character Flo, who has just been in these commercials for like 20 years at this point, like I I don't remember (laughs) when Flo wasn't the progressive spokesperson. Every progressive commercial is just about how bad progressive commercials are. Like, that's the entire (laughs) joke. Like, there's a commercial in a focus group watching a different progressive commercial and everyone in the focus group is like this is awful and then at the end of it it's just like buy progressive and i'm like is this effective advertising for anyone to say your <laughs> brand is bad i don't understand it but also i hope Flo's getting paid well she's been there for 20 years
0: <laughs> it's funny because you said you can't remember a time when Flo wasn't like the face of progressive and same Um, I -hmm. guess that maybe, like, reveals our age a little bit, but, like, truly, for our entire (laughs) lives, we, like, Flo has been the progressive person. She's on billboards. She's just on every advertisement. It's great. Good for
1: her. Having a steady gig.
0: (laughs) One commercial I hate, though, is, like, the Charmin toilet paper commercial. I hate those stupid bears. I hate them so much. Oh, God.
1: Those are nasty. Those are straight nasty
0: let's not get into it because it's just like gross but yeah i'm just gonna leave it there and say i hate the charmin commercials but back in like the 2000s there was a special k commercial (laughs) that kind of poked fun at itself because a lot of like you know healthy for you cereals and you know diet foods whatever were like this is what you should eat instead of a cupcake and so the commercial was like they went into like a cupcake shop and the women were like eating the cereal And they were all like, "Oh, this is this is really good." And then like the last woman was like, "Oh yeah, this is good, but I'm still gonna eat the cupcake." And the Special K branding was like, "It's not a cupcake, but you know if you're looking to lose weight, like this is how."
1: I like that. I like that honesty, uh, because no one in their right mind would be like, "I really want a cupcake, but cereal is a sufficient (laughs) replacement." Let me
0: eat chocolate Special K, which is very good, by the way.
1: I love a good commercial. Love a bad commercial. Commercials are lame. But sometimes they can be pretty entertaining. So anyway, let's get off of what's between the show and get on to the actual show. So (laughs) this episode is called the Army-Navy game. And while everyone else in the military is busy obsessing over the Army-Navy football game, an unexploited bomb is dropped in the middle of the 4077. And everyone then scrambles to try to figure out how to defuse this and cope with the danger. Vanessa, what did you think of this episode?
0: So I definitely liked this episode. It wasn't my favorite for sure, but just like, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it, but I don't really have that much to say about it.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty simple one. I yeah. really like this one. I like most of them. Fun fact, like if you listen yeah. to any of the show, it's all me being like, this is the best one we've watched so far. <laughs> but this isn't the best one we watched so far, but it's very solid. I really like the tension of it. Mm-hmm. I'm a very easy person to kind of make tense. Like I, I kind of get freaked out at almost any thriller kind of situation. And this situation, if it was played a little more seriously and like given like the budget to do so, uh, this concept could easily be the concept for like a war thriller movie where it's like this exact scenario of a bomb being dropped and it's not going off. And then everyone for the length of the movie has to deal with that. Like, it it could easily translate.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that it was just, um, I don't know, for some reason, like, the flow of it was kind of strange to me. We'll get into it more when we talk about the episode. But I I did like it. I didn't dislike it for any reason. Um, I just thought it was, like, super quick. It was very strange to me. It felt like really 10 minutes. And I usually don't get that watching M.A.S.H., but I don't know. I understand
1: that. It was kind of doing a bunch of different things at yeah. once. And like I said, with like the tension of it, that still wasn't the focus. This wasn't an episode meant to freak you out or think that everyone's going to die. It was still like mm-hmm. played pretty comedically and had a bunch of these little comedy moments sprinkled in. I thought it was well done, but I understand what you mean by kind of just going by.
0: Yeah, I think- well, we can get into the episode, but I do think that in later seasons, this storyline is recycled a little bit. And I think it's just done a little bit better. Like the tension is just more there and th- it's like drawn out a little bit more. And I think it's more well done later on. So I think I was just remembering other seasons when I was watching this one. And I was like, wait, this isn't the episode that we were thinking of.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. I straight up thought this story happened in season like three or four. <laughs> but when I mentioned that to you, you were just like, oh, yeah, they've done this a few times.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. So
1: I'm interested to see those episodes, not to discount this one. But again, this is just a good concept that could be used for a lot of different stories. So it's mm-hmm. it's exciting to kind of see them return To this very dreadful concept of waiting for your possible doom but anyway (laughs) let's get into the like the beginning of this episode uh because it definitely starts off very light with uh everyone kind of trying to tune in to this army navy football game going on and they're using the radio and uh, they're trying to find it and everybody's like being cheerleaders and like excited about it and this opening was just like a good fun time it didn't go away as the episode got more serious like this football game is throughout the entire episode which i think is pretty fun
0: yeah the opening scene is radar i guess going around and asking if anyone wants to place bets on who's going to win the army navy game and then right after that is when we get kind of like the first scene with a lot more characters in it i think it's hawkeye trapper radar clinger comes in henry all those guys they're in henry's office listening trying to get the um the game on the radio which i always think is so funny that people would listen to You know, sports games and TV and stuff on radios before they had TV.
1: Sometimes. It's so
0: cool. Yeah, no, I love it. And then as they're getting the game on the radio frequency, shelling starts to happen. And I feel like this is the first time we had like major shelling in an episode because this like doesn't stop for a good Little while, and I thought that that was really interesting. I know we had shelling in the past, like a couple episodes back, there was the shelling in the OR scene, but I feel like this is the first time that it's like a major plot point in the episodes. And I thought that that was really interesting because it does come back a lot throughout the show to kind of remind you that, yeah, there is a war going on.
1: Yeah, this was definitely the first time that you did kind of feel that the camp itself was in danger. Like they've had moments before, but this is at least for me and my in my like very linear watching of this show was the the first episode where I was like, Oh, they could easily just get bombed and like no longer exist where it felt more serious than it kind of had been in the past because it just keeps happening. Like this uh, this opening bit, like this first five minutes is just entirely them getting bombed over and over again. And you don't see anything explicit. It's just like the room shaking and stuff falling mm-hmm. down. But there is a real sense of danger to it, which I I think is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and, like, I noted when I was watching this show that this opening scene for me is kind of what makes MASH so good because you got the humor of it because Hawkeye and Henry and Trapper, they were all kind of, like, making jokes that were meant for you to laugh while it was still, like, super tense in that beginning scene. But the humor didn't really detract from, like, the seriousness of the situation, and I just, the balance between humor and tenseness and just seriousness in the show is so good for me and i'm always reminded of it every time we have a scene like this and it's just it was so good i loved it
1: (laughs) yeah the humor works well because at least for this scenario that it's presented as the characters trying to cope with their own fear like Mm -hmm. uh my i think my favorite line from this episode was pretty much right at the beginning when I believe Henry asked Hawkeye if he's scared and Hawkeye just responds like, oh, I'm too frightened to be scared.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: That kind of like weird, I'm not acknowledging the fact that I'm actually terrified of this. It's very good and very realistic having to deal with these like real danger.
0: So (laughs) we should back up a little bit. Henry tells Hawkeye and Trapper, like, get yourself to post-op and move the, uh, move all the patients and have anyone who can walk help you because, you know, there's this shelling going on. It's not stopping. So then you see Hawkeye kind of barking out orders, not like really like mean wise, but he kind of just becomes the natural leader of things. And then Henry comes in and Henry got hit in the head when shelling happened and stuff fell on him. So, Then Hawkeye becomes more of the leader and starts telling people, like, take people here, do this, do that. takes charge. Yeah, and I feel like that was such... That was so good for his character because Hawkeye is kind of the natural leader. And I know that's kind of, like, main character syndrome. Like, he's going to be the leader regardless because he's more or less the main character. But I feel like it worked so well with his character. Like, he wasn't doing it because he's like, I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. He was just more like... This is what needs to happen yeah. and you know I'm I'm going to take charge here.
1: Even with that Frank comes in and being like who put you in charge? Like I'm your superior. <laughs> and Hawkeye just is like, "All right, what do I do?" And Frank just just can't deal with it because whenever he's actually given a leadership scenario where he has to lead, he he doesn't know what to do with the actual power. Frank's just not good at it. <laughs> and I think with Hawkeye always taking charge in these scenarios it isn't really main character issue it's just that like Hawkeye is the one qualified to do it like that's just his character but he doesn't care enough about like military to rise in the ranks like that's just kind of his deal uh like he's chief surgeon and he's i don't know what his rank actually is um He's a captain. He's captain. I feel like a <laughs> fake fan. <laughs> but, you know, he's lower rank than, like, Frank and everything. But mm-hmm. he's just better at, like, doing these things than his superiors are. So he's just naturally the one who has to be in charge, even though he doesn't want to be so in the bureaucracy sense.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I just think that it works so well with his character, too. It yeah. doesn't seem out of character, like, as Hawkeye is this jokester and prankster and doesn't take anything seriously until he actually has to and I don't know it just like this scene kind of solidified that for me a little bit and I don't know I I really liked it and I think it really worked and I thought it was really funny the juxtaposition between Hawkeye just kind of naturally doing his thing and Frank being like, when Henry's not here, I'm the commanding officer. And it's just like, okay, dude, then do something. And he can't, like you said, he can't even think of anything to do. So that kind of transitions into the next scene as well of Hawkeye and Frank and Trapper all in Henry's office because Radar has the colonel on the phone who's, I guess, in charge of the shelling because they're trying to find out where the shelling is coming from and whatnot and then the bomb drops in the camp and they are like uh oh that's not good so because frank is like i'm the commanding officer hawkeye is like all right you go out there and deal with this unexploded bomb in the middle of camp and frank's like no i'm not doing it so he tries to (laughs) you're right i have to give him credit he does try to but he
1: straight up faints when he's like going to approach the bomb (laughs) Because he draws the short straw. Like They draw straws to have to deal with it. He tries to get out of it, and he draws the short straw, and then he just collapses in just the middle of the room, which, you know, relatable. If I was in charge (laughs) of an exploded bomb, I would not be able to deal with it. I didn't really put this on Frank's shoulders because it's just just like, (laughs) yeah, dude, that's a frightening scenario. (laughs)
0: I just thought it was funny that it was like, okay, I want to be the commanding officer, but also like, I can't deal with anything. I just is, will always uh, drive that Ain't point that on. always the way? <laughs> Literally. So then Hawkeye and Trapper kind of like, I don't know, rock, paper, scissors it out. And they, so of course Hawkeye goes and he is the one to look at this bomb because they need to find out where it came from and like what the deal with this bomb is. And Hawkeye relays this message to this colonel who they're trying to figure out who the bomb came from, I guess he's in charge of something, I don't even know.
1: And uh, this whole thing with like the military in the episode I thought was the most blatant. The military are dumb and bad and incompetent that this show has ever like explicitly said because just everyone is obsessed with this football game. Uh, Like, they don't really take the fact that this camp is going to explode if this bomb goes off seriously at all. And, like, again, real-life military, we don't have a problem with it, like, blah, blah. But, like, in the show, it's presented as, like, these guys are, like, very bad at running themselves. And this was maybe the most blatant of that because everyone's in real danger. And they're like, eh, shut up, call me at halftime.
0: <laughs> yeah, I... I was thinking when I watched this scene how this was kind of touching on the fact that the medical units are this integral part of the war and, like, the war effort and stuff like that. And no one really cares that they could explode. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I feel like M.A.S.H. also was so the first of its kind, I guess I would say, because it followed these doctors and you didn't really, I feel like you didn't really follow doctors in a mass unit during a war even though their jobs were so so important but i feel like they kind of like just got pushed to the background and i feel like maybe this is kind of showing that they got pushed to the background they no one really cared that these doctors might explode and i don't know i thought that this was this was just really well done and it was it wasn't subtle i would say of like criticism of the military
1: (laughs) No, I think Mash is the only thing that I've ever seen that like actually deals with doctors in war rather than mm-hmm. soldiers. I mean, they're yeah. all like soldiers to a degree, but I've, this is the only thing that I've seen that has to deal explicitly with like the medical end of everything mm-hmm. and even the guy in charge asks a question. I forget what question, but he was like, "Oh, do you have like stethoscopes or whatever and Hawkeye, just very genuinely angry, says, we're a medical unit. <laughs> that's how kind of incompetent everyone else is presented in this episode. That They didn't even quite know that they were a medical unit, which yeah. is crazy.
0: Yeah, and the 4077 obviously is, you know, fake, but <laughs> they're supposed to be a unit that's, like, the closest to the front lines, and in this scene it's kind of just like written off because oh well they're just doctors they're not like actually fighting even though they are integral and they're like two in miles from danger. the front line or something <laughs> yeah exactly and it's just kind of crazy and i don't know i thought this scene was just very this whole episode with that aspect of it was very well done i thought
1: mm-hmm. okay so after this bomb is dropped to the middle of camp and they just kind of don't know how to deal with it, and they're like, well, we have to defuse it, but also we have to wait for like where it came <laughs> from and the uh, yeah. instructions and everything. It then kind of transitions into all these different characters kind of dealing with this in different ways. Like Again, kind of vignette-y. We'll, we're going to have a, just a lot of vignette-y conversations when doing the show, <laughs> apparently. So did any of these moments... With all these different characters stand out to you, uh, like, any of your particular favorites?
0: I think that my favorite was, for sure, Klinger and Father Mulcahy's interaction. I don't know why. Like, I've never noticed it before in my many watches of the show. But in the early seasons, or in the early episodes... They're a duo, and I think it's, like, so cute, this, like, odd juxtaposition between the two characters as well of, like, Klinger is trying to get out of the army and Father Mulcahy is, like, doing his best as a priest Mm -hmm. in the army. I don't know. It's just so cute. So, Klinger walks into... Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to...
1: No, I was just going to say that I love Klinger and Mulcahy, too. I think they're, like, a great pairing because, like, with everything that Klinger's trying to do, he's technically, like a deviant you know he's technically like yeah. not following the the ways you're supposed to do things and father mulcahy's just cool with that and everyone's just cool with that and i think that's like a fun thing
0: i know it's so cute this interaction particularly is very adorable i think because Klinger walks into father mulcahy's tent in a suit and he's not in a dress and father mulcahy like doesn't recognize him nobody
1: <laughs> recognizes him it's it was great. so funny
0: <laughs> And Klinger explained to Father Mulcahy, like, this is the suit that I got drafted in and it explained like all these crazy things that he was doing to try to get out of the draft, like lick the doctor's ear and like shove an envelope or a, a letter opener into his foot and stuff like, like that. And I thought that was ate really funny.
1: Something. I forget what he ate. He yeah. like ate the eye
0: chart, which I'm like, how
1: yeah, yeah, do you even do that? The thing is laminated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really funny, cute interaction. And Father Mulcahy, it was, it's kind of like assumed that Klinger had never been seen out of a dress before, even though Mm -hmm. he had. And then Father Mulcahy was like, You clean up to be like a very handsome man. And then he stops himself. He's like, Well, you're also a very handsome woman too, or something like that. And it was just, it was very cute and very good.
1: We accept everyone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What about you? What was your favorite scene?
1: Uh, Other than the scene, because I legit, this is probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, I also really liked the Radar confessing to the the woman, who I don't think we know previously, but he, he goes up to, like, this blonde nurse and is like, I have a confession. I've always been, like, madly in love with you. And <laughs> the nurse is just very taken aback by it and, like, it's fun.
0: Yeah, so in this scene, Radar kind of goes up to this nurse and he confesses his you know tr- attraction to her and he tries to wink and it's so funny because he can't do it and like I felt so seen because I also can't wink and then she basically is like all right come on like let's go to the supply tent and they you know it's it's uh implied that they kind of like hook up what it's they cute. think is going to be their final moments because a bomb's going to explode and kill them all <laughs> and I thought it was really cute Raider's a good dude you know yeah I, I felt no
1: ill intentions here I felt like he was pretty genuine about it
0: I definitely agree and then I guess, like the final scene, the one that I thought was also really funny was when Hawkeye, Trapper, and Ugly John were all playing poker. And it was like these super high stakes poker. They were talking like, oh, blue is like 15,000, red's 20,000. And I think it was Ugly John who said, well, what happens if the bomb doesn't end up exploding? And then Trapper or Hawkeye were like, yeah, then it's like
1: 25 cents, 50 cents.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I thought that was really
1: funny. Just how everyone's dealing with it is pretty fun. There isn't like a dull moment in these scenes, Mm -hmm. which is pretty good. Like you're saying, this kind of goes by pretty fast like the there yeah. isn't that much conflict or much to talk about in this episode. so afterwards of these these little moments of everyone coping with it in different ways, uh they discover that the bomb is actually a CIA bomb, which mm-hmm. Everyone is like the CIA has bought like they they are just completely confused because like everyone <laughs> thought it was either military or Navy and they're just given the runaround and now they have to defuse it and they they may or may not have the right instructions like it's a whole <laughs> thing. And this is definitely where the episode's the most tense for me. Mm-hmm. When they're trying to defuse the bomb, I thought it was taken pretty seriously, like relatively yeah. so. What do you think of this whole reveal and situation?
0: I thought it was really funny because they were all so shocked like the CIA had bombs. And now looking at it from like a 21st century perspective, we know historically that the CIA was very, very involved in foreign conflicts and stuff like that. So... It was kind of funny to see that they were so shocked that the CIA was like as involved as they were, because, you know, we know now that they absolutely were. Um, yeah. I thought it was really funny that Trapper and Hawkeye were the ones that kind of like, I forget how it came about, but they kind of just became the ones to have to defuse the bomb. They're the only and... ones
1: brave enough to. like, Yeah, I guess so. I guess Henry should, in theory, be the one to do it, but like... Henry's not doing that. Like he's No,
0: Henry's not doing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can't get that man to do that.
0: <laughs> no. Henry Henry like wants Henry is the commanding officer, but like he definitely wouldn't be if he didn't have to be, I feel.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's a he's commanding officer because he's the commanding officer, not because yeah. he particularly <laughs> <laughs> should be or wants to be. <laughs> but anyway, I know I said that like this was when it was its most tense. And that's just because I am very easy to make tense with the situation. Like I am the kind of person that you show a gun to, like somebody's going to shoot somebody, and I just always picture like when that gun goes off in like anything that like their head's just going to explode. Like that's just kind of where my <laughs> That's how it tends that I can get when any danger is presented. I'm just gonna be honest. So, like, them defusing this bomb, I was like, oh, something could happen. But they still intersperse it with, like, good jokes and, like, kinda lighter yeah. moments. Um, like, Henry reading the instructions. To oh, defuse so the bomb was kind of ridiculous. Not what you would want at all.
0: Yeah, and I I thought it was really funny that when Hawkeye and Trapper went out to defuse the bomb, they took mattresses as if the mattresses were going to do really anything at all to deter the bomb from exploding or like deter a blast from hurting them. I it don't know. Could I don't That help. was really funny.
1: If you put a mattress right at an explosion, maybe it'll just knock you back. Who knows?
0: I guess so, I guess, but even so, I thought it was kind of, it looked ridiculous.
1: Watch some military guy, like, find this podcast, listen to this episode, (laughs) and then, like, write us an email saying, like, no, the mattress tactic is actually one of the most important tactics in bomb defusal. (laughs) Like, you never know.
0: That's true. That's true. We have never been in that situation, so I guess we really can't say. (laughs) But I did think it was, um, like you said before, it was funny when Henry was reading out the instructions and he was reading them to Hawkeye and Trapper and this is kind of like what culminates. And you did get this tense moment. You knew that nothing was going to like kill them, of course. Henry says, oh, like, you know, whatever. He gives the wrong instructions and they basically are like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, the bomb stopped ticking, which means that it's going to explode in less than two minutes. So Hawkeye and Trapper, like, Run and just dive for it, and then the bomb explodes. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say something about that too, because like you would think that they would actually run farther and like faster than they did if a bomb was gonna explode, but they just like dove to the ground. Again, it's like six feet. Like if I was running from
1: a bomb, I would I would try to get further away.
0: Yeah, you would think. And then it culminates, and the bomb just explodes and immediately as the bomb explodes, papers fly out of the bomb and the laugh track in this was so well placed and funny because if you didn't know what was going on, like if you didn't realize what the papers kind of meant, <laughs> the laugh track helped you realize that it's not like a serious bomb.
1: Yeah. they call it a propaganda bomb, like it has yeah. like flyers from. I I think MacArthur, somebody yeah. like that, saying like, give up now, you've, you've lost the war. Just this absolutely ridiculous thing. Imagine that actually happening, like you drop this bomb <laughs> into foreign territory. Everyone in that village, I guess, in Korea is like terrified. And then in English, this thing goes off and just says like, give up now, you've lost the war. And just how ineffective that would be. <laughs> Uh, like yeah. dropping a fake bomb on a real town would be insane also just to back up a bit when henry misreads the instructions of saying like cut this wire uh and then they cut the wire and then he says but unplug the fuse first is the most, like, dad-reading IKEA furniture (laughs) joke that I've ever witnessed.
0: (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. That's definitely, like, that's (laughs) definitely just such a sitcom thing where it's like, yeah, do this thing. But also, before you do that, do this really important thing. But, oops, you already did the other thing first. (laughs) I loved it. It is true.
1: Isn't that like a psychological thing that like guys will read instructions step by step, but like girls will read the whole paper before starting? Like that's that's pretty accurate in my opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. Pro- I could I could see that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it goes off and it's not a real bomb, and you're just like, what in the world? <laughs>
0: And then they were all kind of just like, wow, love this for us. (laughs) So we spend all this time worried about this bomb and it was fake propaganda. So cool.
1: (laughs) Like bad propaganda too. Yeah. It was ridiculous and like a very fitting way to end this episode because we're so early on in the run still that like we couldn't have like a legitimate serious ending. We had to end it Mm -hmm. with a joke. And I thought the joke of it just being a flyer bomb was was pretty good. It's essentially a t-shirt cannon, but for propaganda.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought about it like that. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, and then the last scene is really cute and wholesome because, in the beginning, like we said, Radar was kind of like taking bets, or like there was a pool going around for the Army Navy game, and Father Mulcahy ended up winning. And he won because he was the only one who bet against the Army and bet that the Navy was going to win. So the Navy won. And there was this really funny piece of like, I feel like it was physical humor a little bit, where Hawkeye was like, Who do you know that like who do you know why do you always win these things and then father mulcahy like looks up to the sky as if it's god and i uh, hawkeye or trapper goes oh name dropper and it was just the funniest cutest it's a very thing. good religious joke <laughs> Father Mulcahy does win, like, every pool, I think, because...
1: He's got the good lord on his side.
0: (laughs) I always think it's funny because, like, they're gambling and stuff, and then it always goes to, like, a good cause because Father Mulcahy's not actually going to keep it for himself. He's donating it to the orphanage,
1: usually. Even in the first episode when they raffle off a nurse, like, he's the one to win the nurse.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love Father Mulcahy. He's a
1: good boy. Or good man, excuse me. (laughs) Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up and kind of do trivia and whatnot?
0: I thought this one was pretty good for one-liners. My favorites were right before Hawkeye and Trapper went out to defuse the bomb. And Hawkeye was saying to Henry things like, if this bomb explodes, I'm going to come back as a squirrel and run up your pant leg. <laughs> I just like thought that was so strange and funny. And then he also said... Henry was thanking Hawkeye and Trapper for going to defuse the bomb, and Hawkeye goes, "Yeah, but wait till you get our bill, like like guys, <laughs> if it was a house call, I loved that loved it what were what were your favorite lines? I
1: don't know if because I already said like my absolute favorite line, but one moment that we kind of glossed over was that when Hawkeye's first detecting the bomb, see if it's still ticking. Henry just comes out of like, oh yeah, the, the camp. <laughs> and is, like, very delirious because he just got hit in the head and has no idea what's going on and is, is, like, screaming at at Hawkeye for, like, being a delinquent. And then it takes him, like, five minutes to realize that, like, a bomb is right there and, like, they could all die. (laughs) And, like, I know it's not a line, but, like, that moment was just so stupid that I was like, this is (laughs) great comedy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, when Hawkeye was, like, shh, be quiet be quiet like there's a bomb right here and Henry goes what kind of bomb
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's a t-shirt cannon as it turns out yeah really (laughs) so Vanessa as we begin to wrap up this episode do you have any trivia for us
0: I don't have a lot because usually usually there's some guest stars with some pretty notable you know work behind them but we really didn't have any guest stars that were pretty prominent so the only trivia I really have is that this story was written by McLean Stevenson, who plays Henry. Which rules.
1: Uh, he didn't write the actual like screenplay, but he, he developed the story. And again, like we said last week with Alan Alda kind of taking charge as a real creative lead in the show, I love that it wasn't just Alan Alda. It was also uh, McLean Stevenson, who also contributed to the writing of the show. That's honestly really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, and as the show progresses too, a lot of the other actors, like the regulars in the show, also contribute to the writing and the directing and the producing. And I I, I really, really like that yeah. because it's just, it's more creative that way, I feel.
1: Whenever that happens for any show, it's always like a better show in my mind because that means that yeah. the people working on it, like, care about it, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because... You have to actually care about what you're working on. Not to say that any actor who doesn't take on that creative role doesn't care about the yeah. show, but you can tell that they're like really into it. Yeah.
1: Also, I just wanted to acknowledge that Henry's actor, McQueen Stevenson, has an incredible name. I love that his name is McQueen. Uh, that <laughs> is beautiful.
0: I've never heard someone whose name is McLean before. I wonder where that originates from.
1: I wonder if it's stage name. I wonder if it's uh, his birth name. I wonder if the teachers in elementary school were like, Hey, McLean, (laughs) right up on the chalkboard. (laughs) 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 Nikki. Good time and good dude. Uh, I love McLean Stevenson. He's very good in the show. And I love that he contributed to the creative aspects of this show as well especially so early on
0: yeah mclean stevenson amazing
1: okay so just to wrap up we'd like to give thanks to jacob free for your of being bring our technical consultant, vanessa's sister melissa for our awesome cover art our music and social media are linked in the description please send us a nice tweet or email if you can and lastly we'd like to thank you our listeners until next time don't drop a propaganda bomb in the middle of a medical unit goodbye farewell and amen
0: Bye everyone.